Okay. Hello, everyone. Dashihan Miller. We're here with uh, this week's episode of Kuden Radio. So uh, this episode brought to you uh, by, well, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's actually based on a question that was sent in uh, by a listener and a student who's been in and out of my programs um, who wanted to know if I could cover uh, some differences and whatnot between the Iga and Koga Ninja. Uh, you know, these are the two that get mentioned most often in history things and whatnot. So anyway, um, I'll do my best uh, knowing, again, that I wasn't there, but I'll do my best based on what I have, research I've done, information I received, uh, those kind of things. But um, I don't know. We'll see if um, we'll see if this actually matches um, what not what people think they already know, but what people want to hear. Okay, all right. So we'll talk about that and more when we get started. So the big question is this: How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens, worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, here we go. So, welcome to this week's episode of Kuden. I'm flying solo again. James is on vacation. He's actually on a cruise ship out in the ocean which is where I will be uh, in about a week. So not in the same ship. But anyway, um, my wife and I got each other a uh, Christmas present. And so um, I know it's going to be a little bit late, but hey, going to the Eastern Caribbean, we like cruising. I know some of you don't uh, like that kind of thing. Some of you, I don't know, I've heard everything from floating Petri dish to whatever. But you know what? Such is life. So uh, anyway, I uh, had a, uh, for those of you who missed the intro, had a question come in, I think it was after, was it after the last episode? No, it was a couple episodes ago because we had the holiday uh, episodes get in there uh, this year and into last year, right, 23, 24, uh, Christmas and New Year's days actually fell on a Kuden day. Well, Kuden gets precedence, so Anyway, uh, so we did a couple of uh, holiday uh, episodes in between, but uh, one of my guys, Jared, had sent in a message or sent in a kind of a topic request, uh, which you guys are always free to do, right? By all means, uh, ask away. So, uh, but he wanted to know if I could cover something about the Ega and COVID Ninja differences, those kind of things, right? And then... Uh, in the process of getting this information out and promoting things, uh, one of my other guys, one of my local guys, Chris, I call him the question man, um, he sent in a message. I my notes right here. He says, I'm curious, uh, was it like you picked the ninja clan by what talent they had that you were in need of, uh, like not going to a Chinese restaurant for Italian food type of thing? <laughs> anyway... Um, I love how you guys formulate questions. Anyway, so um, so here's the thing. (laughs) 
you know, you know, it's going to be uh, interesting when somebody starts off with that. So like, um, like once at band camp, no, um, we have lots of ideas flying around, especially if you go on the uh, internet and you look at stuff. Uh, some people are just regurgitating stuff they've read. Uh, some people are um, <laughs> mixing Naruto and, and other anime uh, kind of things and that kind of lore uh, with things. Uh, and some people are going, going by common modern Japanese perception of things. And that in and of itself comes from a bunch of strange things, right? Um, anyway, one of the books that I highly, highly, highly recommend uh, is the book Ninja uh, by Kasem Zogari. Uh, he's somebody I trained with in Japan. He's a personal student of Isuka Sensei. Uh, if you have not read it, I highly recommend it. Um, it'll be a disappointment to most because, well, you know, doesn't give definitive answers. Well, welcome to the freaking world of needs to. Okay? So, uh, Nijutsu is a strange bird, right? Uh, I have contended for decades that Nijutsu is not a real martial arts, or a real martial art. Some people, their ears perk up, they want to know more. Other people just kind of nod and do the, right? You know, right? The horse head nod kind of thing. Um, and others uh, want to fucking argue about it. Okay? I don't argue, right? Unless they've done the same research or more, in which case my ears will perk up and I'll pay attention. But just know that if you tell me something, I'm going to go look it up. And not just a general Google search, right? Because that shit's just retarded. Especially when it comes to something like, again, here we go again, needed to, right? Um, Because what we're really looking at is, is something that is very, very different from what um, has been typically publicized. Uh, it's very different from what people want it to be. And it's very different from what everything from the media to supposed guru and whatnot have been professing it to be, including early ones in my training. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> Ninja being poor farmers and, you know, rising up. I mean, that's like, it's like these modern militia, right? Taking on the most and best armed military that exists on the face of the planet, right? I mean, one needs to have their dreams, however, right? Um, you know, you've got movies, TV shows. I mean, you know, there was a time uh, back in the eighties where if they needed a mysterious villain, right? Even in freaking soap operas, right? They wrote a ninja into the, into the storyline, right? It's just ridiculous. Uh, I remember a time, uh, one, one class I was in, in Japan. Some of you guys have already heard the story, so forgive me if this is a redundancy thing, but I was in one of some uh, classes and, um, he laid some jute out on the tatami. Right. Those of you who don't know what a jute is, right? J U T T E. Okay. 
Um, you know, that thing that everybody calls a sword catcher. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, he laid these things out. There were three, maybe four of them. And he's, he, it was a pop quiz, right? Because we were all upper level people, right? Which is the authentic one, right? So people are pointing and, you know, whatever, right? And um, it was the one that had no weld, right? And I, this throws off some of my students. I have one student who uh, is a uh, is a blacksmith, right? Just highly trained, works with metal all the time. And um, when I told him about this stuff, and I said, you know, they didn't have that technology back in the day, right? They couldn't do a weld, right? So what they did was uh, the, the traditional jitte uh, in a bar, but it has a taper to it, right? Not quite to a point, but it, it goes from a, a thick part where the handle is, and it tapers down. And then the cross piece, right? If you've ever seen pictures where it looks like the cross piece goes past uh, the bar, uh, sometimes it looks like a flat hammered bar that's been uh, bent at a right angle. Other times it's a bar that's been bent at a right angle. Um, and then it's been fashioned into kind of a loop, right? And so the metal was heated and then, and then bent around that way. Um, and sometimes the flat bar, just a flat L, right? had a hole that was poked in it. At least that's what it looks like anyway, right? Um, but in either case, the ring on the side piece, right, the quote-unquote catcher part that people like so much, um, they love this. People love to gravitate toward terms, right? Um, why is that not? I'm trying to bring up my Kuden overlay. There you go. Again, I'm flying solo. So anyway, um, so but either case, the hole either in the flat right angle piece or another bar that was bent at a right angle that had the loop, the loop or the hole were smaller than smaller than the diameter of the base of the of the, the bar, right? The the upright that most people are used to holding. And so this was hammered down onto it so it literally wedged in place. And yes, over time things loosen up and you know, you take it apart and either replace the, the right angle bar because once you cook out all that carbon, right, it becomes brittle and you can't often refashion it and all that stuff, right? But there was no weld, right? And um, my, my modern blacksmith friends like to have this little argument that, I mean, it's a simple technique. I mean, all they had to do was X, Y, Z. Yeah, to you, right? They didn't know that, right? They knew that. They had done that kind of stuff, but they didn't know that, right? So they didn't have the technology. Which part of they didn't have the technology do you not understand? Right? Um, but a lot of people, you know, they, they, they want to jump on things like the jitte, right? Or the sai, right? Man, that was a pretty cool weapon that they invented. I mean, who thought of that? Farmer. Right? As far as the sai goes, right? It was a farming tool, just like the tonfa, just like the nunsaku, right? These were everyday farming items that were pressed into use. The jitte wasn't even it wasn't designed as a weapon. Okay? Shuko, not designed as a weapon. Okay? You know, the hand claws, ninja claws, climbing claws, whatever, right? All this bullshit that flies around. Anyway, so, um, but the jitte uh, was a sign of office. It was worn by certain bureaucrats that held certain positions in 
regional government and it was in their sash, right? So wrapped handle, tassel down that kind of told what their office was, right? Well, how did it get turned into a weapon? I don't know. I wasn't there, right? The story's all over the place, but it's just like anything else. I mean, if somebody broke into your house or, or tried to accost you in your car or whatever, grab something, you know, you grab something that is not, nobody thinks of as a weapon or whatever, and you press it into use and it worked and, hmm, interesting, right? Now you got a story to tell. Well, back during the Sengoku Jinnah Warring States period and, and times before that, right? I mean, you want to come up with things, right? You want you want to, somebody uses something as a weapon, ears perk up, everybody starts paying attention, okay? So, again, you need to, everybody gets caught up in the, in, in the stuff, right? Um, and, and I've heard everything from, uh, it's, you know, the highest level of bujutsu. Well, kind of, um, kind of, right? Uh, but there's a distinction, right? There's a, there's a, there's a sometimes technical, sometimes very clear distinction between bujutsu and what nijutsu really is. Right. And uh, in Dr. Zagori's book, in, Kasem, in Kasem's book, um, he makes a very, very clear point, right, that uh, it's not Bujutsu. Right? It's Kakuto Jutsu. Kakuto Jutsu. K-A-K-U-T-O long O. Uh, or if you're using the Hepburn system, K-A-T-U-K-O-U. The U just tells you to hold the O longer, right? Uh, kakuto. Kakuto means, uh, it does mean fighting, but it means, I mean, it can mean everything from just generally fighting, it can mean grappling, it can mean, uh, scuffling, tussling, that kind of thing, right? Which is like a, it, it's a, it's a hand to hand, up close and personal kind of thing, but it's a, it's gonna be very contextual, right? It's going to be based on environment, attack, that kind of thing. But, see, even that falls short because needs to, and see, this is where people go off the deep end as well. Because as soon as I use a statement like this where they've seen this anywhere else, they need to just figure they can just make shit up and do whatever they want, right? But needs to is more of a mindset. But somebody really needs to understand what the hell's behind the mindset and it's not just like, well, my mindset is I'm a ninja, so therefore, right? And, and that I mean that's just as shitty as, as people who look at gaining jutsu, right? Low man ninjutsu, uh, combat tactics, right? Guerrilla warfare, that kind of thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Guerrilla warfare tactics, you know, uh, whatever. And then equating that to, uh, modern spec ops and, and, you know, things like that, right? Um, again, they're just, they're grabbing something because they need, they need an easy answer. They need to be able to put it in a hole or put it in a box and, and make it easy to understand. And therein lies part of the problem because if ninjutsu were easy to understand, then any, any attackers or enemies or opponents or whatever from naysayers in today's world all the way back to Oda Nobunaga and, and these 
people that were trying to wipe him out and stuff like that would have succeeded very, very freaking easily. Right. So it's just not, it's just not that easy. Right. I mean, uh, if you read Kasem's book and there's lots of other references out there. I mean, Don Rowley's written a couple of good uh, articles. Um, Sean Eskew, um done a lot of historical research and things like that. Um, just there's, there's a couple of really good folks out there that have done um, good work, right? They, they understand Japanese. Um, they understand Japanese history and culture and things like that. Um, you know, so they, they understand they understand some things that even modern Japanese um, don't understand, which is why modern Japanese have such a weird uh, perspective on Ninjutsu as well. Anyway, um, so, you know what, let me do this again. I'm flying solo. James is on vacation. So let me uh, just kind of bring up the... I'm going to bring up the chat without making it show because I don't need somebody hijacking the freaking system like we had uh, problems with early on. So let's just bring things up and see who's on. Who's on? Who's on? Who's on? Jared's on. Right? Like I said, tonight's lesson brought to you by Jared. Right? Sponsored by, uh, he didn't pay for the advertising yet, but uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll take care of that. Just kidding, Jared. Relax. Uh, <laughs> Dave Fletcher. Dave was on for the um, for the uh, virtual Q and A class. He's in the uh, uh, realm of the tactical war course, and uh, apparently it, it just got above zero. Uh, he says hello from Arctic Montana. Well, um, enjoy Montana. Right, uh, my daughter Trinity's on, and Jimmy's on. Come on. Uh, let's see. Dave Fletcher says, uh, Mr. Zagari is amazing. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Jimmy says, I have a question for you. Has the Koga and Iga Ninja ever fought each other? Ooh. Hmm. We'll get to that. Okay. That's a good question. That's a good question. Again, uh, I, I think that question probably comes from, um, a lot of stuff that's been written and, uh, you know, Whatever. Right? So um, I'm going to say, like in little skirmishes here or there, but again, it's not what people have been led to believe or have come to believe based on um, based on some writings out there. Everything from Don Drager stuff all the way forward, right? There's little hints at things along the way, but we have to understand that there that there is uh, like one of these sides got way more press, right? Way more notoriety, um, partly because they survived. Um, the other one actually died out. Um, two, you know, you, you when people talk about Iga and Koga, and actually. Technically speaking, it's Koka. Okay, Koka. The problem with the modern translation or the modern pronunciation of Koga, right, is because of the characters used to write it and modern Japanese say Koga for the one character. But classically, it's Koka, right? So 
what do Westerners do? And see, here's how you here's how you know, well, reasonably sure that anybody that says that they were that they were the only one that the that the hidden secret masters of the Koga Ninja entrusted with their knowledge, right, um, to pass this stuff on, is that historically speaking, lineage speaking, nobody that holds the Koga Ninja shit would be saying the word Koga. They'd be saying Koka, right? So, um, and there's all kinds of little bullshit things that went along. So who else is on? Uh, Chris is on. Chris, uh, I already read off your uh, part of your question. Uh, Brian's on. Good evening. SOG Recovery. Chris, good evening. Awesome. Awesome, guys. All right. So I'll, I'll check in as I can uh, as we go through this. I just don't have uh, James in the background uh, looking at things. Uh, so... Anyway, all right, so, um, again, here's my disclaimer, right? And, and I've heard how since they say this in class as well, right? I'm going to do the best I can to answer the question, which still may go unanswered at the end, because it's not as easy as was one group like this and was one group different, or how were they different, or whatever, right? Um, it's, it's, it's not that easy, right? But my disclaimer is, I don't know for sure because I wasn't there. Okay. So what we're going to do, uh, and that, and that's why I said we're not, we're not doing like one versus the other. I know that was a title in an email that went out, but I only have so many characters to, to write things out without things getting lost. So, uh, I have to make things interesting enough so that people actually open the email. Okay? And while I would like for people to open the email, um, the Ninja no Uge that I'm using, right, the manipulation, the influence and whatnot, um, is not really about you opening the email because I'm trying to uh, manipulate you. Uh, I need to spark enough interest so that enough emails get opened so that collectively across the internet and this is important to what we're going to be talking about collectively across the internet all of your email providers all of your ISPs internet service providers email providers and whatnot right um, do what I want which is to make sure that my emails end up in people's inboxes okay if if I truly didn't care how many open things up. And I know the people that are interested in certain things are going to open them up or whatever. But I have to make titles intriguing enough because there is a threshold that if I fall below that on the opening percentage on emails based on how many I sent, there's something going on with the algorithm in the background Right. And this is not this is not a conspiracy theory. This is well researched because I'm all about making sure that my stuff gets out in front of people. There's something about the algorithm that will penalize me so that your internet service providers and your email providers won't even sh- 
show it in your inbox. They'll toss it in your promotion folder, your social folder, your spam folder, or it just won't get delivered. Okay? So how about that? Now, think about all the spam that you do get, right? (laughs) And how much you get compared to the stuff you want, right? And then recognize that the, the email providers, internet service providers and all that, they know about all this, all this spam stuff that's going on and all this crap. If that's the amount of stuff that breaks through, because all these people are being penalized, right? If it all, if it all breaks through, then um, how much is being sent? Anyway. Um, so the reason this matters is not because I want to talk about email. The reason it matters is because this is directly related to Nizu and this frame of mind, right? This mindset, this way of thinking. Okay. So I'm going to be bouncing around a bunch of things here and hopefully we'll come up with a picture. Okay. Um, but let's let's do this, right? I'm going to start with a fairly simple question and then back up from there. And it's actually the, the newest question that I saw from Jimmy, right? So Jimmy had asked, had they ever fought, right? Um, little skirmishes here or there, right? And I, I don't have these, I don't have dates and all that kind of stuff memorized. You can look stuff up. But they're no different than like regionally during that era when two groups would have been pissed off at each other over something. Now, let's reframe the question. Did they ever find themselves on opposing sides fighting for somebody else? Right? Fighting each other. Yes. Let's change the question again. Did Koga Ninja ever fight Koga Ninja? And did Iga Ninja ever fight Iga Ninja? Yes. Did Koga Ninja ever fight with Iga Ninja? Did Iga Ninja ever fight with Koga Ninja? I'm going to default to the Koga thing just because everybody knows that, right? Um, instead of saying Koka the entire time because I don't, I don't want to confuse anybody that jumps on late, right? Um, so did Iga and Koga Ninja fight side by side? Yeah. Okay. See, not so cut and dry. Right? So, what the hell? <laughs> right? And again, I'm going to be packing at a bunch of these things because, and I've mentioned this before, right? Anything in Nijutsu, anything that is truly Nijutsu based, is never what it looks like because Nijutsu is based on deception. And influence and secrecy and trickery and so it's not it's not like you know there's going to be a shit ton of historical documents and if there were right like Hapori Hanzo right just famous samurai from Iga there's a special name for uh, these displaced samurai, 
right? A bunch of these people would go there. Um, and actually, when I first got involved in the art, uh, the history as I was taught it from the very, very beginning, again, it wasn't that, that quote-unquote ninja, right? They weren't known as ninja. Shinobi no Mono, a whole bunch of different names, right? Um, it wasn't that things weren't used or employed or, or tactics like this weren't used before this period in time, but where things really started to get interesting was at the fall of the Tang Dynasty in China because a bunch of influential when I say high ranking, I mean like uh, priests, uh, generals, people from the imperial court and whatnot that were just, that, you know, you're going to get fucking assassinated, right? So they fled China and went to this little island nation, okay? Now what you have is a shit ton of immigrants running around that have skill sets that are not indigenous to Japan, Right? Uh, knowledge about or even the possession of weapons, tools, uh, strategy, all kinds of things. Right. And I'm not going to go into a lot of this stuff, but, you know, there were there were different schools in different areas, um, quote unquote, ninja schools that uh, were protected. Right. Some were highly protected by uh, Shinto temples and, and priests in certain areas. In other areas, it was, uh, you know, priests and monks uh, from the Buddhist order, right? But, uh, you know, esoteric Buddhism uh, came into Japan at that time. All kinds of interesting stuff, right? Taoism, uh, what we come to know as, uh, you know, the yin-yang and the omyodo uh, kind of things. All of it, there's this pool of knowledge that ends up in Japan, and we have these people that don't really fit in, and also they're they're really highly suspicious at this point of governmental affairs because they were living high and large, and all of a sudden shit fell apart where they came from. So how do we make sure that doesn't happen again here, right? Because now we're on an island. Right. That is a tiny percentage of the size of the country that I just came from. Right. So I don't know how much anybody paid attention to the to the slide that I uh, put out. Right. Because when I when I create those things, I don't have anybody else create them for me. I do the artwork and I always try to work symbolism and things like that into them. So I'm pointing at the premise. I'm pointing at something that's really, really important. Okay. And in this one, let me see if I can find the find my designs again here. Okay. In this one, okay, there's something really, really important here. Okay. If you look just above my one ear and under the armpit or under the elbow of the ninja guy there, right? Because everybody recognizes that as a ninja, even though it's a kabuki theater outfit. Um, what do you see? Right? You see Iga and Koga with arrows pointing at a green dot and a red dot. 
See how close they are together? That's all one region. That was a generally uninhabited region in ancient Japan. Okay? And way back, when these people moved into that area, it was very wild, very inhospitable. There was a reason that it was uninhabited. Okay? Um, but it was all part of one region. It's all part of one, uh, one or two mountain ranges that run through there. Okay. But there was a camera again. I, I don't try to memorize all these things. You can look it up, but there was a point, uh, when kind of this law got passed for dividing up this region and the dividing line cut through that area, right? So Iga is now in the uh, Mie region, and Koga is in the Shiba region. But originally, it was all the same freaking region, right? So when this line comes through, now we have this dividing line, right? But do we really? Right? Um, so what does that tell you? tells me before that right, folks knew each other but there's also there's also this this other thing that's problematic and that is that people are looking at the ega view and the koga view as independent clans and they weren't right? they were if anything Leagues or associations governing bodies, so to speak, right, over families, clans, okay? And again, the numbers change slightly here or there as, as time went on, but in the Koga region, right, it said that they had like 53 families, under that umbrella, right, of the Kokoryu, right? And there were, what, 40 couple? Uh, my, my notes have everything from 43 to 48, 49, something like that, right? Um, families, right, in the Iga, Iga no Mono, right? Koko no Mono, Iga no Mono, right? Um, so, what they had again this was this was an area um where what you had was basically like a league right you had a league of gentlemen right um not like the Sean Connery movie but um what you had was this this association or governing body that governed the region and then these families right um were responsible for certain areas for um the protecting the collective so to speak, right? And then you had this one family or one specific person, right? Like in the Iganomono, right? Hanzo Hatori, one point, right? The Momochi family, um, uh, which is the family that uh, Takamatsensei right, is descended from, right? So that's governing the Iga region, right? Um, and believe it or not, there's not a whole lot there's not a whole lot of uh, historical information about the Koga region because they just 
it, it was, they, I, personally, I think they took secrecy way more, uh, seriously. But maybe they took it more seriously because of their, one of their focuses, right? But again, skills are skills, right? And again, I can only go based on what I've encountered in my research. And I take all of it with a grain of salt because we're talking about ninjutsu. Okay? Everything in ninjutsu is based on deception. Every ninja weapon, if it's truly a ninja weapon, is designed to be deceptive. It's it's designed to shoot somebody's head so they can't figure it out. So it can be used in ways that are unpredictable. Right, think Kyoketsu Shoge, right? That hook dagger with the long rope and the and the ring on it, right? Just generally translates to run around freely through the through the mountains and fields, give or take, right? What the hell does that mean, right? Well, it's highly adaptable and not easy to figure out, right? So, uh, but either way, you had this thing, right? So you you've got kind of a governing body, right? on the Koga side, Koka side, you've got one over on the Iga side. Um, it's, it's handling a fairly wide area, but then you've got families that are out in different areas. You also had families and, and lineages, and not even lineages. They weren't lineages. You had families, right? For something to be a lineage, it has to last, right? Generation after generation after generation. I mean, the Togakure school, which is an Iga no Mono, right? It was an Iga... Uh, uh, part of that 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 league, right, um, wasn't identified as a as a yuha, right, as a lineage, until the third generation, right, when the grandson form formalized the lineage, right. Daisuke Nishina, the person that we know as the first generation, quote unquote, grandmaster, which is a bullshit term, right, um, head of lineage, head of family, right, um, the guy that survived uh the the battle escapes off to the mountains meets kanedoshi and learns all this shit and comes back and you know whatever right comes down off the the mountain with a different name and um uh, he didn't name anything right he taught his son they taught other people right but here's the question right where the hell did this kanedoshi get this stuff Okay, just wandering around with like military strategy and and spiritual stuff, and no, I, I don't know what his I don't know what his original name was, right? I just know Doshi means teacher. It's one of the words for teacher in uh, Japanese. And kane means bell, right? Expression of truth, which is generally a mikyo kind of term. But this guy, he taught Daisuke Nishina, who became Daisuke Togakure, right? Named after the mountain that he was on, right? Um, taught him everything from meteorology to uh, to reading the weather uh, to uh, just all kinds of, like, weird-ass battle tactics and stuff, right? So where the hell did he get it, right? He just got this wandering monk that was just, what, came out of the womb, right, with a whole bunch of, like, enlightened alien-like uh, stuff that was n- was unlike anything that they've been using in Japan for dozens of years, if not uh, centuries, right? No, no, right? But anyway, so 
uh, it didn't become a lineage until the grandson was like, well, this shit's still working. So, hence the Togakure view. But instead of being like a lot of these Western jack wagons running around, um, that's got to throw up, they've got to invent their own lineage. I just I was doing some research last week and, and bumped into, and you can find this stuff too, right? Um, I found, bumped into a couple of articles and a couple of YouTube videos that people had, um, that people have created, right? How to create your own martial lineage. Well, shit. Buy a black belt, gold belt, purple belt, whatever, right? And make shit up. I had a guy way back in the, let's see, when did I start my first online training program? 2008, I think, 2007, something like that. Um, and this guy was a student of mine. Well, wanted to become a student of mine. And then he eventually didn't because he was creating his own ninja lineage. Piecemeal. Right? I just smiled and waved. Well, that's good. That's nice. Fantastic. Right? But he wanted to train with me because he wanted to add my stuff to his ninja lineage. Okay? So, buyer beware, right? Anyway, so, um, what you had were these families that popped up just long enough to handle a battle. Because one of the aspects of Ninjutsu is like, like a lot of religions, like a lot of philosophies, whatever, right? Um, these things are born out of hardship, right? People are dealing with some really nasty shit. And people need something to hold on to, right? People need a philosophy or a moral or ethical base or whatever. And then these things kind of come about, right? Um, Hatsumi Sate uh, talked about this, uh, I don't know, at this point, a long time ago in my, in my uh, training. But uh, he was talking about how, um, you know, if you're, Find a place that is, you know, arid, desert-like and whatnot. Sure enough, they're going to have a water god. They're going to have a religion that is focused around making it rain, right? Uh, all kinds of stuff, right? So anyway, um, but what you have with these governing uh, legions, I guess, right? Leagues, leagues, I guess would be a better word. And so what they did was establish kind of a governance, okay? But it was it was a two-way street because, again, we're talking ancient Japan, whatever, right? That governance, because remember, this this area was wild. It was, it was crazy. It was uninhabitable, right? And these people freaking moved into it, right? Um, but what it did, because it, at one point in history, right, they're close to the seat of government, in Kyoto, and then at another point, right, because again, it grows, contracts, whatever, right, then it moves to Edo, right, modern Tokyo, right, there's Kamakura, there's, you know, Kamakura is very close to Tokyo for those uh, who don't know it, um, but it's close enough to keep an eye on things, to keep an ear out, right, to without trains, right, um, to, to travel, to get information and whatnot. But far enough off the beaten path that you're not going to have government intervention. Just like 
modern militia. Right? They go freaking hiding out in the mountains and, uh, you know, off the beaten path, but it's close enough. You know, they're always close enough to a main road uh, that they can get someplace, they can get supplies, whatever. But the uh, the league, right, wasn't just responsible for, for the governance and uh, what was going on within it, right? Because, you know, if if somebody committed a crime, right, well, then they could pass a ruling and have them executed, right? So there was still, there was this base of law. But the Oda side to it, the hidden side, was also to keep keep the government out, right? So I know it sounds kind of familiar, right? But they were still highly tied in, right? So one of the differences that that I have, that I keep bumping into, was the Koga... Koga no Mono, the Koga families generally had allegiance to typically one family. Not that they didn't farm out and do things for other ones, but uh, Rokasho, something like that, Rokasa family, look it up. Um, So they, they were tied in heavily with them, but Tokugawa Yasu, right, the guy that comes along and, you know, unifies Japan. Um, I, I've, I've dug up things where he had very, very close ties with both the Iga and the Koga uh, ninja. Used the Koga ninja for certain things, but after he took power, um, the Iga ninja, because he had this relationship with uh, Hanzo Hattori of the Iga's uh, uh, Iga no Mono, um, They, I don't know, kind of leaned in that direction, right? Um, because of what they did for them. I mean, the, the Iga, uh, Iga no Mono, those, I think there were two, two primary families, there might have been a third one, that became the internal castle security, right? These guys, um, did groundskeeping. That's how they were hidden, right? But they were really ninja. Okay. So if anybody got through the samurai guards and all that kind of stuff and got into the inner courtyards, well, then they were screwed because the gardeners weren't gardeners. Well, they were gardeners, but, right? So, um, cool stuff. But that was also the downfall of the Iga no Mono, right? The Iga, uh, we'll call it clan just because everybody else does that. Uh, because the, the skills just fell out of, Disuse, right? The, the longer the enforced period of peace took, the less danger there was, the less of these uh, rogue uh, regional lords, minor lords, and stuff like that that were trying to try to do shit and whatnot, right? And eventually, right, what they did was they worked themselves out of a job, right? Um, at least historically that we know about, right? Because the coolest thing about ninja is um, you shouldn't know that you're dealing with one. Right? Uh, they don't look like it, they don't sound like it, they don't act like it. Um, and even if they do, there's more that you don't know about than you can actually see. Right? So, yeah, what about Hatsumi Sensei? He brought ninja out into the into the real world. 
did he? Or did he just hint at certain things but got everybody at at a certain point to just do Bujutsu? It's just turned into a martial art just like everything else. We'll talk about Budo a lot, but let's steer everybody away from this whole Nijutsu thing. Anyway, so uh, the Iga school, or the Iga schools, the Iga families are known well, and there were a lot of these um, displaced samurai and whatnot in in that region that, on both sides, that were rubbed the wrong way because the Iga tend to align themselves with the imperial court, align themselves with uh, the government, right, Togafe, or uh, Tokugawa. Uh, but either way, right? I mean, if we we're going to do any kind of division of things, you, you got to remember the Chinese uh, fighting, the, the type of gung fu that came in and mixed with regional uh, kind of things, um, weaponry, whatever, right? The, it's it's not the way things were publicized in like the 80s and 90s where, you know, the, the Bujinkan comes out and we're doing Togakure school and that's Iga side and whatnot. So our, our, uh, our fighting method looks a certain way. Um, so anybody that says that they're doing Koga, right, gives, gives it a reason that it look more, looks more jujitsu like or looks more karate like or whatever because, well, see, they were different. Yeah. No, they fucking weren't. Right. Not when it comes to this. Right. So. Um, not a whole lot of differences there. One of the major differences that, that I saw was kind of a yin-yang kind of thing, right? And again, lots of crossover. Lots of crossover. But from what I found, uh, the Iga schools, the Iga Nomono, right, was more of the when I say passive, what I mean is it's more of the uh, spying, information gathering, stealth, infiltration, that kind of stuff. Um, and then the weapons that they would have had or the tools they would have had right, support that. Right? <clears throat> on the Koga side, on the Koga side, what you have are more guerrilla tactics. Hit and run. Uh, they used fire a lot. Uh, they were the ones that adopted firearms more, right? So here's a question, right? If that's true and Togakure school is an ego no mono, then how the hell did firearms and fire explosives and this guerrilla warfare stuff get into Togakure school? Because they all worked with each other. There would have been a sharing of information. And why would we not adopt that? Right? I mean, if we're going to be, because there's points in history where it was over in the Koko region, but they recruited some of their Iga friends, right, to come help out with this raid. Or what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, you know, set fires and we're going to, I mean, Koga Ninja would burn a whole damn forest down if that was going to scatter people and stop 
government troops or whoever the invading army or whatever was from coming in, right? The, the, the EGA side of things was more to like pass false information and sow dissent and, and, uh, not just confusion, but, uh, mistrust in their leaders and stuff like that among the enemy forces, right? Very different, right? What they both had in common was in using superstition, right? Because way back in the day, right? They're just huge superstition kind of thing. So they would, anything that was ever blamed on them for being like, uh, you know, superstitious or supernatural or whatever, they'd be like, yep, that was us. Okay. So, um, one thing that happened a lot and it claimed, um, uh, Odu Nobunaga, his son, Nobu, Nasa, Nobumasa, something like that, uh, son or cousin, whatever, right? He's trying to show daddy that he had all this shit together, right? So he goes and raids this frickin' region and ends up dying, right, of dysentery or something like that, right? Because, again, um, any soldier will tell you that one of the worst things that you have on a battlefield is uh, disease and shit like that that happens because of shit and stuff like that, okay? Um, and so ends up, you know, getting sick, dies, whatever, right? And the ninja are blamed and whatever, right? So, uh, which is why Oda Nobunaga came back, you know, a shit ton of troops later and laid siege to the whole freaking area, right? But he needed... Was it fifty or five hundred thousand men or whatever? Because all the smaller forces never came in. They just kept getting bottlenecked in these in these uh, um, areas because these freaking mountains. Um, if you've ever been there, right? I've been to Tugakure, uh, Tugakshi, dozen and a half times, give or take. Right? Um, fucking mountains are almost vertical. Right? It's just it's. It's horrendous. I mean, um, you know, they've got cars and buses and stuff that traverse it now. But if you're if you're in a bus, uh, there is no looking at the edge or where the um, the the guardrail is, like we see in our roads. You look out the friggin' window of the bus or the train, right? You're looking straight down a sheer drop. I mean, it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's like if a wheel leaves the fucking roadway, we're toast, right? This is not gonna go well. Right. Um, anyway, so. Uh, but anyway, it's just it, again, it's not so cut and dry. Right. Because, again, when we think of guerrilla war tactics, I, I talked about, uh, you know, the, uh, the Koga schools, you know, doing uh, they'll burn a whole freaking forest or you know, whatever. Right. Um, but uh, there was again, I, I don't have all these battles and whatnot memorized. I'm not that kind of a historian. But um, there was one such incident where they were they were um, uh, using guerrilla tactics against uh, a castle, right? And it was it was actually an enemy or a family that turned on somebody else. Was it Ashikaga and the uh, Rokso Roksha uh, family little issue or whatever? And so. Instead of the Iga doing the infiltration and the kidnapping to get whoever they were taking, right, and the Koga burning the place down, it was actually reversed, 
right? The, the way it's written down in the stories, the Koga took care of the kidnapping, um, and the, they had their Iga friends. Um, it was their job to burn the castle. You ever seen some of these castles? How the hell did he burn the castle without infiltrating it? Right? So, but this, this goes back to this mindset, right? Because ninja are highly intelligent, eclectic problem solvers, right? And you don't do that by developing a style, a formulated, official way of doing things, and then go about adapting to situations. How the hell do you do that, right? Um, which is why a lot of people have a problem because uh, in the Bujinkan, again, remember the Bujinkan, so I'm not knocking anything. People just need to understand the order of things, right? If we're working on Bujitsu, okay, then learn that stuff. But if I'm if I'm a ninja or if I'm ninja-minded, my reason for learning the Bujutsu stuff and getting really good at it is so I can dissect it and find the weaknesses. Or I can take from it um, the power in it, but then what I'm going to do is I'm going to overlay Ninjutsu on top of it so that when I use it, nobody can see what I'm doing until it's too late. Or they'll never see what I'm doing. Okay? Um, this is this is what throws people off. But at the same time, because of the criteria and the reality that think about today's world, think about the people that gravitate toward this kind of thing, right? They need to be all powerful. They need to be the shit. They need to be um toughest guy on the block. They need to be they need, they need, they need, they need, they need. They can't be invisible. They need for people to know that I'm the one that did that. I kicked his ass. They need to walk around with the chest puffed out. They need to be the guy with the biggest muscles. They need to be, which is why so few. I mean, way back in the day, Hatsumisa used to call it panning for gold. Right? I'm going to be getting a whole bunch of mud and muck and whatnot in the pan, and I'm going to do this again and again and again and again, and if I'm lucky, I might find a nugget or a flake or whatever, two or three or whatever, along the way, but I'm going to have to run a whole bunch through this process, right? Um, It's... Well, it's it's more than interesting, right? Um, there's a writing uh, in Dr. Zaguri's book, Ninja, that I, I mentioned. Um, he mentions correlations um, between Native American stuff, right, which I'm five-eighths uh, Native American, Iroquois Nation, uh, Cherokee, and there's Delaware in there. Um, and so there's things in there with not just stealth and whatnot, because there's there's something that's that pre that that 
that precedes all of these things that is like if there was going to be a number one ninja prerequisite, right, for this kind of mindset, it would be this one. But anyway, there's there's correlations between that and then uh, he quotes a couple of things um, from like uh, there's an Arabian text that goes back to because at the heart of all warfare, right, you've got deception and whatnot, because, you know, the more you can throw your enemy off. So that they're processing things from the wrong perspective, the easier your win's going to be, right? Um, if you're just throwing bodies at bodies, it's a fucking huge uphill climb, right? But if you can conserve your resources and you can have their bodies chasing the wrong thing or what, you get a very different result, right? And so between this Arabian text and a lot of the ninja philosophy, and again, here's where it's going to throw a lot of people off because, um, you know, people need to be that, that Buddha guy. They need to be a modern samurai, right? It's all about honor. It's all about whatever. Um, there's there's this saying there's a statement that you need to hold your trickery above your bravery okay because you can be brave as hell to run into that bear's den and I wish you well okay but the reason why human beings are at the top of the food chain is not because we're the biggest or we've got the biggest teeth, or the the most ferocious, or whatever. We're cunning bastards. We're here because we've out-tricked all the other big animals. Right? We've learned when to hide. We've learned not just when to attack, but where. Right? We find the weak point. We find the crux, the kaname. That wait a bunch of years ago, decade, more. When the hell was that? Somewhere around 2010, I think. Right, so decade and a half, whatever. Um, the the theme for the Bujinkan that year was this idea of Kaname, right? The crux, the 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 focal point, right, of a technique, of a strategy, or whatever, right. Um, Every technique has a crux. It has a focal point, right? And it could be a weakness. It could be the way the thing operates, right? Um, a way to think about economy, um, it's, it's not just a weakness, right? It's a strength. But if I attack that thing and I break that strength, everything else falls apart. Right. Uh, I, I'm from Pennsylvania here in the United States, for those of you who aren't from the States. Right. And every state has its has its little slogan. Right. Like the like New York is the Empire State and Missouri is the show me state. And Pennsylvania is the Keystone State. Right. Keystone, uh, because uh, out of the 13 colonies, we literally were right in the middle and nothing, nothing went over. Everything connected. 
with it, right? And so, but a keystone, as a matter of fact, I've got my, my license renewal stuff, right? So that's a keystone. That's it. It's a keystone, okay? So a keystone is the piece right in the middle of an arch. And the way it's shaped, it's based on gravity and everything, right? So if the arch tries to collapse, it's all the pressure goes into this stone, and the stone will never fall out because of its shape, right? It has to be lifted out, but if it gets lifted out, the whole damn thing crumbles, okay? So, well, that's a decent uh, example of a kind of Another really, really good one is like a hinge for a door, but not just the hinge. It's the bar. It's the bolt that goes down between the two pieces of hinge, right? That's the kaname. You break that or pull that out, the whole freaking door falls off, right? Um, so instead of trying to bash down the door or, you know, take the hinges off, you're ever gonna get, only ever going to get one out, right? But still, things kind of get wedged and stuck and whatnot. Take that damn bar out, everything falls apart, right? So... Everything is quote unquote hinged, right? Um, on that on that piece, right? So here's here's that number one skill for a ninja. It's observation. Okay. For my students, my Q level students leading to black belt, one of the questions that they have in their curriculum, and yes, my students have academic requirements. Uh, both Japanese uh, vocabulary, history, those kind of things, right? Because I'm training people in the Nijutsu direction, not in the Budo direction, right? Does that mean we don't do hand-to-hand? Of course we do hand-to-hand, right? But there's a saying in the Tulapati school, if a ninja has to draw a sword, he's already lost. Okay, Girls, you too, right? But it has nothing to do with sword. It has to do if you have to physically defend yourself, then you were caught, you were found out, right? Your deception and secrecy and all that kind of shit fell apart, right? Okay? And now you need to escape. You need to get the hell out of there, right? So, um, what the hell was I going with that? The, um, the observation skills, right? So in, in the, in the curriculum, one of the questions is, what was a ninja most, uh, best known for? Right? Now, this is an Iga no Mono directed question. Right? But at that level, I want the students to know the information gathering. Right? But what's necessary for information gathering? You shut the hell up, you be still, and you pay attention. But you don't let anybody know you're paying attention. You're not even worth focusing on, right? If people are keeping an eye on you, then you are acting suspiciously, okay? So, you know, people keep getting attracted to and keep seeing people dressing in these ninja outfits and stuff, right? Again, that whole outfit came from the Kabuki theater um, because the best-dressed ninja... Is just like the best dressed homicidal maniac. As a matter of fact, one year for a uh, Halloween uh, uh, costume party, I went dressed in my regular clothes. 
And when I went in, everybody was all disappointed. Oh, man, you should have dressed. And it's, you keep with the theme. And I said, I am dressed. Came as a homicidal maniac. They look like everyone else. Right? Same thing as a ninja. Okay? If you can detect them, if they stand out, not a ninja. And if they are a ninja, a dead ninja. Okay? So, uh, as far as the history of these two go, I think there's way too many crossovers to worry about, in all honesty. Right? What I think is most important is to understand what the hell we're talking about, right? Which is why I, I, the first first program I ever created, first online program I ever created, and some of the guys are still in the program, right? Some of the guys are still in, not that program, but they're still with me. I mean, my guy Carl from Australia, and uh, there's a couple of folks that got involved in that program in, when was that? 2007, 2008, maybe even before that. I don't remember. Anyway, um, they're still with me, right? Still studying. But that very first program that I brought out, Ninja no Hachimon, the eight gates of the ninja, right? Sometimes called the Ninja no Ninja Hake, right? Um, These were the primary skill sets. But the things that we talked about in there, why? Right? Why Yabi? Why this? Why that? Whatever, right? So someone's carrying a spear, but what they're missing, or it looks like a cheap frickin' pole that you picked up because it's got holes in it and shit like that. Yeah, it's because it's a ladder or it's a measuring device or whatever. It's more than a spear. And it's a comma yari, right? Yeah, I know, because we can hook legs and pull them off. Yeah, well, if you get involved in a battle, but if you get involved in a battle, then you were found out, and now you're shitting your pants, and you need to get the hell out, right? No, it's a kamiyari because I can hook that hook up over a freaking wall and climb the pole of my spear and then pull it back up and get the hell out, right? Um, for infiltration, if I have time to pull those pegs out of the bag and insert them and whatnot and I have a ladder, but, see, I don't need a ladder if it's just me. I need a ladder if there's a bunch of us and we're going to very quickly get a team up and over that wall, right? People need to get their mind past the thing. But here's some will, some won't. So what, right? Just like we need guys who, you know, work on the sewer and work on power lines and all that kind of stuff, right? They don't want to be, entrepreneurs they don't want to be uber wealthy they don't want to be and that's fine right because society needs that right we need ludo people right we need the obvious ones out when i work um well when i worked bodyguard stuff right (laughs) bodyguard stuff is not like the shit you see in the movies right bodyguard stuff is i dissuade this guy through pain or influence or whatever, or drop his ass quickly and get the principal out of there. Because the longer this shit goes, the more in danger they are, right? If I'm duking it out with this person, you ever see like a Chuck Norris movie or whatever, right? And they're duking it out with the person trying to kill the person they're trying to save, right? I'm thinking, uh, uh, what's his name? Sylvester Stallone. He played a, uh, an assassin who had a change of heart because he was supposed to kill this woman and, 
who else was in that? Antonio Banderas, whatever, right? But they kept getting involved in shit and leaving the principal alone. Principal's a person who writes the check, by the way, right? Dead clients don't pay. So, but the longer I'm fucking around over here, the longer they're unprotected, right? No, 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 no. It's not the way it works, right? And especially if we're in a big thing, right? Um, like the the number of Secret Service people you see in the in the presidential uh, motorcade and stuff like that is at best one ten or ten percent of the ones that are actually out there. Right? Some are in uniform, some are snipers on a on a rooftop. Sometimes they coordinate with local PD and whatnot, but it's just easier if we work with our team. Right? You guys need to share information. Fuck you. I can't trust that you're trained. So we're gonna handle it, right? Which is why all these departments have they, they have their own things because it's easier to train together than to do all this crossing of, of things. And then we have to hope that you guys kept up your level of training and you can translate um, the, the task or I'm not, I don't have to worry about you dropping the ball because you think it's stupid. Not you, but you get the idea, right? Because you think this is stupid. You want to do it your own way and whatever, right? So uh, same idea, right? Um, but again, observation, right? The number of times, some of you guys are personal students of mine, right? How many times have you heard me say, if you're going to binge watch YouTube, then binge watch CCTV, closed circuit TV attacks, or watch other martial arts stuff, but not because you're trying to learn the other martial art, but you're looking at their preferences, your information gathering, your whatever, right? So how many times have you heard me say that? Right? How many times do you think people do that? Or how often do you think they do it? Right? How often or how much do you think people listen to me when I say, stop trying to memorize shit because you're pigeonholing yourself and develop the abilities to be a problem solver in the moment? Right? I called my, my academy and my, well, now it's a bigger organization, Warrior Concepts, because concepts, principles and concepts, right? If I have these, warrior, principles and concepts can look hundreds of different ways. It depends on the situation. For those of you going through uh, Mikio training and the, and the precursors to it, you're getting hints at this because... It's context, not content. I mean, at a certain point, it is content because you have to learn certain things. But um, it's just, and I, I get it. It's easier to learn preset moves. It's easier to get finite answers about things, right? Because then ego feels like it knows. I mean, just translating the nin symbol. And I know we've done it once or twice. But there's multiple ways to translate that based on how you look at it and based on whether you're looking at it from an in or yin 
or yang perspective, right? Um, there's a passive side to it. There's an aggressive side to it, right? So that's one way to look at the Iga and Koga, right? right? There's a passive side to it, right? Where what I'm presenting is weakness. What I'm presenting is, uh, is an image that I'm off balance. I'm, I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. I'm again, weak. I'm incapable, right? But there's another way to, to look at it where you move and operate like a spinning blade. Right? It's very different, right? But some people need for it to be fixed. But if it's fixed, then it's not needed to. They can see what you're doing. It's not needed to. It's easy to understand. Not needed to. Because needed to is all wrapped up in fraud, deception, secrecy, all those things, right? It's, there's layers upon layers upon layers. And if Victor's on, I'm sure he's chuckling because he's the one that started the whole layers thing, right? Um, there's too much to keep track of. It's, it's like in the world of, of uh, wealth and wealth protection, right? And people often talk about how much rich people need to give up the damn money, man. You don't need all that money, right? Because, you know, you, uh, you know, do you know how many people you could, you could, you know, feed with that? Yeah. Once. And then now I'm as poor as everybody else. Not me, but anyway. Right? But why do they have all that money? Well, I don't know. Let's think about all the different types of people that are trying to take it from them. Everything from the government with taxation to the bleeding hearts who have a cause that they want it for, right? To those who are looking for a free ride and that person, I can just sue them. So now they don't just have to protect their money because they, you know, people want it, but they need to pay lawyers and they need to pay accountants. They need to keep pay people to protect it and fucking run interference. So I don't know how much money do they need? To make sure that they're okay. Who wants it? All the people that bark about solving a problem, but somebody else is supposed to foot the bill. Anyway, I'll get off my pedestal. All right. So this is this is like looking at Ninjutsu, looking at the Butinkan Ninjutsu, right? Look is the same as looking at these arguments that people have. Over, I don't know, pick a, pick two religions that are at odds with each other, pick whatever, the socialism, capitalism, freaking thing, or whatever, right? It's like looking at an iceberg. Everybody argues over the iceberg based on what they see. But what's important is all the shit that's beneath the surface, all the stuff that's being done that you can't see, and what's under the ocean, under that tip that's sticking out, is what? Ten times bigger? Right? That's the shit that sinks ships. Not the thing you can see. Right? So, I'm, I'm sorry that this was not more of a who's using what weapons. I mean, if you want to break it down, right? 
Iga's using infiltration stuff and Koga's using firearms, guerrilla tactics, and fire. Maybe and probably. But not necessarily. Okay? Because if there were that pretty cut and dry, then we wouldn't be talking about Ninja 2. Okay? So, anyway. I, I, like I said, at the very beginning, I was going to dance all over the friggin' place because it's, it's not that easy. Right? Uh, let me make sure I didn't miss a question. Uh, I think I handled, uh, Jimmy's. And, uh, oh, Chris. Chris sent the one in about, you know, would you go to the family or whatever that, okay, so let, let me get back to that one. So Chris, uh, his question was, would you go to a family that was a special that specialized in whatever? Um, yeah, you could, but again, see, Chris, no offense. This question is based on the shit we see in movies, right? Like Shokasugi was hired by the corporation that was trying to assassinate somebody, and then Marco or Franco Nero's character steps in to stop or whatever, right? Um, ninjas being hired by, okay. Based on what I can find, based on what others have found that I trust historically, um, there were already associations, right? There were already um, connections. Like I said, Tokugawa, Yasu, uh, the guy who was responsible for 100 years of enforced peace, enforced peace, um, was already connected with the Koga and Iga Ninja, right? And so these families were already aligned, right? They're already, um, there's an analogy from my, from, from my consulting corporate world, right? They're on retainer, right? So if they're needed for something, right? Well, they didn't have a one ringy dingy kind of thing, dispatch a, a messenger, he goes. Well, that was another thing too. Um, in the Iga and Koga thing, I talked about the, the leagues, right, that, that were responsible for, like, keeping the government out or, uh, you know, enforcing kind of their own legal structure within that region. No one, no one passed through that area without permission. No one. Okay? If you entered that area um, and you weren't pre-authorized or whatever, they were either things that were created as distractions to get you to leave or what happened to Yamamoto? Don't know. Left on his trip last month and haven't seen him since. Okay. Yeah, well, probably fertilizing some rice fields. So, uh, anyway, um, so it wasn't that easy, right, that somebody was just going to go and go, hey, we'd like to hire you guys. How would they know that the people they were talking to were ninja, right? How would they know where to find these people? I liken this to when I did counterterrorism operations in the 80s. Okay. 
because these religious zealots these days, they scared the shit out of me. We didn't have religious zealots back then. And if we did, they were few and far in between. What we had were mercenaries with a cause. Right? Um, and here's what scares me today. Okay? And this is not a paranoia thing. This is not a hypervigilant thing or whatever. This is observation. Because that's what we do. Right? And then we look at evidence and we watch. We people watch. We society watch. We group watch. Okay? One jumping conclusion. And oh, in today's session, this, this episode, I'm not going to be talking about the, the deep spiritual training and necessity that's a part of Ninjutsu as well. This is huge, huge tie-in because one of the ways that you have, one, one of the things you have to develop to observe without judgment and to uh, to act without I'm going to say without malice, right? Because I can defend my family, but I don't, have to, I don't have to hate the guy that broke in. I do have to protect my family against that person, though. And my responses will be equal to his actions. Okay? I don't know you. What I do know is that you or anybody, not you, right? this person, or anybody, that does not have my permission to pass into my territory. Do you hear the similarities? Right? It's not going to go well. But this is not a hatred. This is not a malice thing. The only way to do those things is to do the kind of training that reigns in ego so that you can operate from an ego-less position. Okay? This is not about taking sides, which is, which is another problem within the normal Budo, Bujutsu kind of thing. Right? Honor says, I've taken sides because you have to take sides. For those of you on the audio only, I just made air quotes. You have to take sides. and so No. Samurai were, when I say they were born into, right, there were way more, uh, displaced samurai than most people know about because the, the storyline is if you are now masterless, you have to commit seppuku. That's the honorable thing to do. Well, you know what? There's a bunch of those people who like, fuck that. I know exactly where I'm moving to because there's a whole bunch of folks there that Right. And they probably already had some connections and whatever. Right. Because their cousin's roommate, Bob, already whatever. Right. Bob's on already moved there. But anyway. Right. So just very, very different kind of thing. Um, so but how do you how do you find them? Okay. No, there were already connections. There were already associations. Right. Did, did that mean that it never happened? No. 
Um, there was a TV uh, TV show a bunch of years ago, and I, the, the, I'm not mentioning this because I believe this fictional thing is is true. No, the premise for the main character is what I'm pointing to, right? Because to me, this is probably closer to how it happened than something else, right? So it was, there was a TV show, and I don't think it lasted for more than like, I don't know, a season or two. It was called Stingray. And this guy was very, very mysterious. He drove a 65 Stingray, whatever, right? Um, not that I wasn't all jazzed about the car. But the, the, the kind of mystery about him was like, he was probably a spy or a government agent, whatever, decided to, to right, atone for sins and whatnot. So he would work for people for free. But he had, uh, it was kind of like the equalizer kind of thing, right? He had an, an ad out or whatever, right? And so for past, I think past clients ended up like, uh, somehow referring him. But people would look for him and he would bump into them strike up a conversation, whatever. And then after he vetted them that, you know, they weren't intent on hurting him or anything like that, he would check into things a little bit and then he would make himself known. His name was always different, but he would make himself known as the, I'm the guy you're looking for to help you. I can help you. Right. Um, and so if I were a ninja operating in ancient Japan and I have to worry about protecting not just me, but an entire village or villages or an entire league of families, you don't just come knocking on my fucking door. That would be, that would be stupid. Okay. So again, I understand where the questions come from. It's just, it's just not that simple. And so part of this idea of being a ninja or being the shinobi no mono is, it's more about personality traits. It's more about character traits. It's more about the, the, the deception, the secrecy, the, right? I mean, people come into my dojo, they see Buddha Tajitsu big time. Um, Does that mean we have a ninja group? Nope. Um, Anyway, so let me see, see if anything else popped up here. Now be the time to ask any questions or have any comments or whatever if you, if you want or have them. Let's see. Dave. Wow. All right. Given it was an hour ago. Drink Coca-Cola. Wow. Let's see. Richard Pacheco. Reiki started. Reiki started that. Create your own lineage as well. Oh, yeah. Well. Um, the irony, uh, and this is something that, 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 um, is really, really cool, right? In today's world, and I think the Gucci sensei 
um, is writing something or I just saw something. Right? I mean, maybe it's already happened. Uh, I think I saw it on Sean Askew's um, Facebook page. Um, either Sean or Noguchi Sensei made reference to something that was written 1830s, give or take, right? Um, about a Tagagi Yoshin ninjutsu connection. That there are aspects in Tagagi Yoshin um, that are ninjutsu or ninjutsu-like. And not only I think that was pretty interesting, because that's the latest one that I found. But uh, there's there's connections with the Kukushindan Ryu, right? Because that was named something different way back in the day, right? Because there's a pirate connection there and uh, some other kind of... So they have their own unique fight tactics. Um, the... Um, uh, Naginawa, right? That hook with the rope and whatnot that, you know, uh, you often see if you go, if you look in uh, Ninjutsu History and Tradition, it's there and it's in a couple of other books. Uh, that's actually a Kukushinden thing, right? Well, how'd that end in a book, in a book on Togakure Ryu Ninjutsu? Wait, wait, nudge, nudge. Anyway, um, but when I, when I was talking about earlier with these, um, uh, Immigrants that came in from, uh, from China during the fall of the Tang Dynasty. Um, a lot of them settled into certain regions, right? And one of those regions is Kumano. And uh, Richard just reminded me of this thing here because he mentioned Reiki. Um, Mount Kumano is, I think, southwest of... Uh, uh, not Kyoto of Kyoto, right? I haven't made it there yet. But uh, if you um, if you have any of Hatsumi Sensei's quest videos, I highly recommend uh, if you can't read Japanese, have them translated. Well, I mean, it's easy. You can do it online now for practically nothing, right? Um, there's a reference to uh, the um, the Gyoko School. Right, that its home base was uh, Mount Kumano. Mount Kumano uh, is also the seat of uh, one of the centers for the Omatsu Tatara, right? The secret uh, teachings that had to do with health and medicine, and healing, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was also the home of the founder of the Gyoko School, but he was tied in with something else. Um, he was, <laughs> he was, he was a ninja. So it's all this freaking backhanded stuff, right? That, you know, Gyoko Ryu is here. Um, there, there's, there was a lot of uh, theories that me and my historian friends had a long time ago coming up through the art. The more we looked into history, the more we're like, holy shit, all these schools because there's a bunch of high-ranking people in the Budokan today that's like, not everything is ninjutsu, right? We've got these samurai schools, and we've got, like, only three schools are ninja schools, and maybe Hatsumi Sensei didn't need to teach all three ninja schools, because you've got this one, but all of them, like, now that I have this thing wrapped in my head with Togagi uh, Yoshin, and it's not Togagi Yoshin, there's another branch 
Uh, I can't remember the, the middle part of it, but it's another Tagagi branch um, that has this this Nijutsu connection. Um, but now that I have that one, now I'm, now I'm like, holy shit. Like almost all these samurai schools that we know of as samurai schools, like the front door is samurai facing like warriorship, walk a certain way, carry yourself a certain way and all that. Meanwhile, out the back door, we got ninja operations going on. See, that kind of stuff intrigues me, right? Are you going to find it written exactly that way? Nope. Because if you did, it wouldn't be ninja too. Right? So, um, but the thing that I was going to mention there with uh, the Reiki thing, right? Um, one of the things that um, is tied in with Kumano, Mount Kumano, uh and because Kyoto, there's a, that's the seat of Japanese Nikkyo, right? The Shingon school is set up there by Kukai. Uh, the very first Shingon temple is re- really close to the train station. So when we take our little, uh, it's actually a two day trip down to Kyoto to do some historical research, I take people to Nijo Castle, which has a nightingale floor that was invented by Hattori Hanzo. See, it was a ninja connection, right? Uh, I take people over to Toji Temple, um, which is the first Shingon temple that was set up by uh, Kukai when he came back from China, right? And then above Kyoto is Hiezan, right? Um, actually, the, the seat uh, for, for Shingon is, is miles away. We have to take a bullet train, uh, local train and whatnot to get to the base of, the, of Koyasan um, to, to go up to the seat of Shingon. But above Kyoto is uh, Heizan, which is the seat of Tendai, which is not all Mikyo, but a branch of Tendai is Mikyo that I was initiated into. So there's all this shit, right? It's all, all this stuff is there, right? Um, anyway, so just, just I'm going to let that one trail off. But um, the, the Kumano uh, thing, right? That is where the founder of Reiki supposedly took a sabbatical, right? Went up there, went to a temple and meditated, meditated, right? And had this epiphany, right? That became Reiki. I'm going to tie this back in here with something else here in a minute. But um, this temple is one of the temples that supposedly holds the scrolls of the Amatsu Tathata, all this ancient, uh, these ancient scrolls and teachings and whatnot for, again, health and medicine and whatnot. So I'm not saying that he didn't have an epiphany, but it is possible that he was at this temple and reading stuff in the library and ta-da, had an epiphany because he came across this stuff. And here's this interesting tie-in. In the very highest levels of Reiki, there are these hand positions, right, that are also, some people say, well, my uh, my Miko teacher, Reverend Jikai, said that the Kuji is a subset of the, uh, the Miko Mudra and all that kind of stuff, right? And it depends on which books you have. And I mean, 
old traditional books, right? Um, they can all be translated that way, but in a lot of the old books, there's a cross between Shinto, Taoism, Nikkyo, um, because you're not, you're not using all Nikkyo deities. You can, you can, you can do substitution and it all works out. But, um, I find it interesting that in the highest levels of Reiki, the nine Kuji seals are there. Interesting, huh? So that's a hell of an epiphany. It's a hell of a coincidence as far as epiphany goes. Or the same aliens visit at the same time. But anyway, um, Jared, I'm sorry that this was not a cut and dry. Here's the wall. These guys did this. These guys did this. I mean, before that, I can't, I can't, I can't remember the name of the law or the, the, the era where it happened, where they divided the country right through this one region. And then you ended up with the, the Shiga and the Nye provinces. And then now you've got the Iga guys over here and the Koga guys over here when originally it was just one big ass region, right? Um, same mountain range, uh, that kind of thing. So anyway. Questions, comments. Dun, 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 dun. Uh. <laughs> Dave, you retarded. Sorry, I mean that in the most loving way. All right, questions, comments, complaints. Bum, 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 bum. Sorry, I'm uh, again my own uh, producer and back end guy here. I don't see anything else. I don't. I don't know if I'm missing anything from the other side of things. Uh, Jared says it's okay. It's still a history lesson. Cool. All right. All right. So, you see, some of you guys are over on YouTube. Some are on Facebook. So, I'm assuming that we are simulcasting uh, where we're supposed to be. So, uh, anyway. All right. Uh, so, Let's see. Uh, still up in the air. Uh, Monday the 22nd, uh, even if my wife and I, uh, we, we tend, when we're, we're going on vacation, the, the ship sails on the 23rd, which is Tuesday. So for those of you who are in the, uh, the Ninpo Masterclass program, uh, guys at the dojo, we have a brand new computer system and everything set up to manage all the, all the class video and all that. And we just inaugurated it tonight. During the Q and A, people saw me moving cameras around and shit like that. Anyway, um, so that stuff will still be running. Um, obviously, there won't be whiteboard Wednesdays. Uh, I'll try to get some legacy ones loaded up so that uh, they'll run at the normal time, uh, so that we can keep a consistency kind of thing going. But um, I'm going to be out in the middle of the ocean, and I'm uh, the the internet is not dependable. And even if I were to break through and do things in a way that I could, um, yeah, the free stuff for everybody is already not free to me. I'm not paying that much to do a, uh, a class. So sorry. Anyway. Um, but next Monday, 22nd, uh, is up in the air at the moment. I'll let everybody know as soon as my plans are short down, if my wife and I can get to a hotel and I can be set up in time 
uh, and we decide to, to go that route because normally when we when we do things, we go into town a day early so that we run less of a risk of missing the boat because um, it's too fucking expensive. Um, I I'll just do a do Kuden from there. If not, then uh, we're gonna end up missing. Uh, that one, I'm going to try to set it up to where we're only missing one, which would be on the 29th. There won't be one then at all. But there will be, for those of you in the Realm of the Tactical Warrior program, Mod 2, uh, Shobi Kai, oh, you know, you, you guys know who you are. Um, the Monday classes will run virtually from the school on time, no hitch. And then the Tuesday and Friday classes for Shinobi Kai and the, um, Platinum Inner Circle Group and the Ninpo Masterclass folks, uh, they'll run as normal. So there shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, that much of a hiccup. It should just be a Kuden or two and a whiteboard Wednesday. There won't be one on the 24th or the 31st, other than maybe a pre-recorded thing that I get preloaded. All right, but otherwise, um, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, we have. Uh, uh, we have some uh, seminars and whatnot in the works. When I get back, we'll be publishing the uh, spring and fall camp dates uh, and then some other seminars and whatnot. This year, we're going to be getting back on track with doing uh, everything from wilderness survival to uh, a bunch of other stuff. So uh, both live and I have a couple of uh, upcoming programs that I'll be doing for folks that have been going through the relaunch of uh, the first set, first seven steps on the path, uh, people that want to do Mikyo, uh, that kind of thing. There are two programs uh, that'll get, that are going to get uh, scheduled that will lead directly into that kind of thing. So, um, and then after that, we're going to be firing things up for. Uh, I don't want to call them apprenticeships, but that kind of thing where uh, folks that want to uh, dive in head first on that side, uh, I will also be doing, uh, and I'm looking for uh, hosts to uh, do seminars in their area so that, um, yeah, we get this stuff out more and get this whole COVID shit and delays and all that kind of stuff behind us. But anyway, um, lots of stuff. So if uh, you have any questions, any um, any topic request, uh, one of my students, uh, Chris Major, sent in something that will probably be for one of the coaching calls. But who knows? It could turn into a whiteboard Wednesday uh, kind of thing. It has to do with footwork and uh, and whatnot. So I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to work that or which which way I'm going to do it yet. It will definitely be for one of the upcoming coaching calls for those of you in my Platinum Inner Circle program um, that are – students that way but it may end up um as a uh as a whiteboard wednesday kind of thing i don't think let me see do i have a topic for i don't have a topic for the next uh episode of kuden so nothing to nothing to oh yeah i do i take that back yeah next episode is going to be I, i've been using this phrase a lot lately um Training content versus context, right? Um, we're going to look at um, look at perspective and how it relates to your training, 
and take a look at the difference between what I call 2x progress, right, which is next step, next step, next step, and 10x or 100x where you just make this freaking quantum leap um, forward on things without cheating the system or ignoring uh, important pieces because, you know, the rank in the belt is more important than anything else. All right. So let's see. Chris, thank you. You're welcome. I think that's it. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I will talk to everybody again uh, next time. So I'll let everybody know. I'll send out an email and post online as soon as I know about Monday the 22nd. Uh, Otherwise, um, either way, well, not otherwise, either way, I will talk to everybody again uh, next time. Hopefully this was valuable. If you have any follow-up questions, warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. And uh, also, if you go to onlineninjaacademy.com, Kuden Podcast, right? You can get on the subscriber list, and that way you're not waiting for social posts to pop up. Uh, you get emails leading up to it, letting you know what the topic is, reminders, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, I'll talk to you again soon. Be safe. Train hard. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.